Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. This week, we're talking about electric vehicles and high-tech manufacturing, focusing on what it's going to take to get prepared for jobs at Intel's $20 billion semiconductor plant, on which they plan to begin construction by the end of the year near Columbus, Ohio. In fact, that production facility, when it's completed in three years, will be the largest of its kind in the world and may grow even larger over the next decade. At first, though, Intel is planning to directly hire 3,000 employees at the new plant. And since it won't be opening for a few years, we figured at least some of the people who want to work there have some time to get qualified, which is exactly what Intel CEO Pat Gelsinger says he wants to see happen. Every one of your best students, I know where I want them, right? You know, there's just going to be a thoroughfare from Ohio State, but not just Ohio State, but all of the excellent universities across the Midwest and the heartland. We want your best and brightest participating with us. We intend to partner with Ohio universities, community colleges, National Science Foundation, a broadening of research and collaboration projects, and you know, building semiconductor-specific curriculum and manufacturing agendas. You know, everything from associate degrees up to the highest-end PhD degrees. We need the full range of capabilities. To find out more about how to get what it takes to get a job there, I talked to University of Akron computer science professor Dr. John Nicholas, starting out first with whether or not he's ever been in a chip factory, and if so, what it was like. I was inside of a chip factory for a national semiconductor in 1995. And there are many, many things that go on inside of a chip factory from actually putting the semiconductors together and packaging the chip, as well as places like clean rooms. So there's going to be a big clean room because no dust can get in there at all. One little speck of dust to a microprocessor or to an integrated circuit can be catastrophic. So it's a very fascinating process of how this all works. What happens in a clean room? Is that where they're actually building the components there? Right. Inside of a clean room is where they put together all of the uh, material that's inside the integrated circuit that we never see when we see a computer chip, and then they mold the plastic to it. They put the conductors on it so it can get to the outside world. So that room has to be completely free of all dust, any dirt, any moisture, anything that could get into these integrated circuits and render them useless. So essentially, the people who are inside this clean room them are building the chips themselves. Are they people that have to have an advanced degree or could they be somebody, for example, that has like a two-year degree or, you know, knows a lot about just fabricating things? That kind of runs the gamut. So if you are working in a clean room that is sort of a research and development facility, you're going to be doing more hands-on practical stuff. A lot of this stuff now, of course, is done with automation inside of machines. And so if you're doing the testing and the research and development, you probably have to have a bachelor's degree in engineering or an associate degree. But if you're working in the clean room where the big production is going on, that's going to be more of a manufacturing type situation. So there's going to be a lot of automation and all of that. And your job there would be to keep the machines running and make sure the product comes out on the other end. And there, those kind of folks would benefit from having an associate degree or a bachelor's degree in like automated manufacturing engineering like we have at the University of Akron. Okay, that sounds great. So then the University of Akron is positioned 
to enable students to be qualified for jobs at Intel or other places like that in Ohio, right? Oh, right. We have a very, very strong computer and electrical engineering program, and that would be sort of the R&D side, the development of the chip. So, so we're well positioned to put folks inside of there. We've got computer science degrees and, and electronic engineering technology degrees that can help uh, with the design and development of the chips and putting the programming in it that it needs. And of course, we have the networking and the cybersecurity degrees and all of that to keep all of that safe and running. And then in addition to that, they're going to need human resources people and business managers and all of that. And our College of Business Administration is well poised to prepare people for those positions. So it looks like, or at least it sounds like then, that people from kind of all disciplines may have a shot at getting a job at the new Intel plant and maybe at future plants that they build down there then. Right. The $20 billion investment, I think they were talking about building seven or eight buildings there. So there'll be 3,000 jobs. So that's going to run the gamut from custodial engineers to high-end electrical engineers. If I was somebody that actually aspired to wanting to design computer chips and invent new things and go into research and development for this type of industry, what kind of degree... Would I need? If you want to get into actually designing integrated circuits, I think computer and electrical engineering is the way to go. You will certainly need more than a bachelor's degree to, to get to the cutting edge part of it, but a bachelor's degree would certainly get you into an R&D lab in one of those facilities. Typically, when you're talking about being that far out in front and designing new stuff, it, it usually requires a, a PhD level degree because you really need a, a deep understanding of it. But a bachelor's degree in electrical computer engineering certainly get you in the R&D part and you can sit there and help them design chips all day long. Does the University of Akron have a PhD program in this type of discipline or is that something that if people wanted that really advanced, cutting edge, they'd need to go to a different university. We do have a PhD program in the computer and electrical engineering department, and it's been around for a long, long time. Basically, it was our electrical engineering program. It's been around forever, and we've advanced it into the computer engineering side of things. So we could certainly accommodate anybody who wanted to go that route. From a perspective of somebody who's been in this field for a long time and looking forward to Intel's investment and maybe how they might expand in the future, what are you thinking? Are you feeling really good about this? I think this is the most exciting thing to happen to the state of Ohio in probably 40 years, to be honest with you. I have long advocated to anyone who would listen that we need to bring this kind of manufacturing back to the United States. And the fact that Ohio has it is going to be a real game changer. Because what this is going to do is it's going to allow us to keep the supply chain for all of this technology. In the United States, we're going to have less dependence on the chips that are being made in China and Korea, and it's going to put Ohio really at the center of this 21st century economy. But it's going to be a few years before that new plant is up and running, and our economy is taking a heavy hit right now because of the ongoing supply chain-related worldwide chip shortage. In fact, U.S. automakers made nearly 8 million fewer cars than planned last year because of it. And as they transition to electric cars, they're going to need even more in the future. U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo. Electric vehicles, for which the president has set an ambitious goal, 50% of new car sales by the end of the decade, require 2,000 chips. Each EV requires 2,000 chips, more than twice as many as a traditional vehicle. And speaking of electric vehicles, word this week that sales spiked in the U.S. last year. 
Now the White House wants to make it easier to juice up by funding the construction of thousands of EV charging stations all across the country. More from CBS News correspondent Skyler Henry in Washington. The Biden administration is looking to build 500,000 stations, prioritizing locations near interstate highways, rural areas, and underserved communities. People are considering and buying more electric cars than they used to. Data compiled by Reuters shows U.S. electric vehicle sales jumped nearly 85% last year, led by industry giant Tesla, while hybrid vehicle sales increased more than 75%. Auto Trader executive editor Brian Moody says despite the uptick, gas-powered vehicles still dominate new car sales in the U.S. If it's electrics only, they're still um, well below 5%. So if you compare an electric car to a similar gasoline-powered car, you're going to pay about 20% more. As part of his commitment to fighting climate change, President Biden wants half of vehicles sold in the U.S. to be electric, fuel cell, or plug-in hybrid by the year 2030. Skyler Henry, CBS News, Washington. And thanks to the recently passed federal infrastructure bill, Ohio will soon receive nearly $21 million to install EV charging stations along key roads and highways. It's definitely a forward-looking investment, though. Here's auto industry analyst Jeff Gilbert in Detroit. And the reality is we won't really know how much we need in the way of charging stations until there are a lot of EVs out there and see how we use them. You know, if you, if you have a house and you have a garage, you can put your vehicle in and charge it at night, and you don't take a long trip, you're never going to need to go to a public charging station. If you want to take a long trip, well, that's a problem even now. Even with the fast chargers, they charge to about 80% capacity in a half an hour. That's a lot better than it used to be, but it's still not as good as filling up with a tank of gas. And last summer, a lot of people in Michigan with EVs went up north, which is a big thing in Michigan, and found that they had trouble finding charging stations to recharge their vehicles. So, you know, we're, we're working on that. Uh, the country's working on it. The car makers are working on it. But we're not there yet. And, you know, the holy grail is finding an EV that'll charge as fast as you can fill up a tank of gas. We're certainly not there yet. And finally, if you're in the market for an electric car, how about one with a glamorous look and an iconic past? The DeLorean is back. The car featured in the Back to the Future movies and first rolled out nearly 40 years ago will be returning soon as an electric vehicle. Reporter Chris Fox has more from Austin. DeLorean Motors Reimagined hopes to begin production on the newly designed electric version of the DeLorean late this year. Stainless steel, gull-wing doors, and a Electric. That's all I could get out of former Tesla VP, Yost DeVries. He's the new CEO. We have to stay somewhat true to the lineage of that vehicle. And you'll see that when we disclose our vehicle, probably late spring, early summer. DeVries announced this week that the new corporate headquarters will be in Texas. In the end of the day, there was a very, very attractive package for a company like us to come to San Antonio. Chris Fox for CBS News, Austin. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net.